Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. All right, guys, uh, it's been an interesting weekend for me. I don't know about y'all. Um, having a, a sick baby at the house and, uh, and learning to be flexible, those things uh, are, uh, are tough. We, um, Sarah and I had a big trip planned this weekend. Uh, anytime, as parents, you get an opportunity to go out of town without the kids, that is Oh, man, you look forward to that. And so uh, when Amelia turned out to have a 104-degree fever and had to go to the doctor and canceling the hotel and all that stuff, uh, it was kind of a, a sad weekend for me. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the, the life of being a parent and learning um, to put uh, your children above yourself and, and all that good stuff. But this morning, we have an awesome opportunity. We are going to have some family time. And like me, we could all be coming from different places. Uh, apparently, every child in the, in the church has gotten sick this weekend. And uh, so maybe that's where you're coming from. Maybe, maybe um, you had the best weekend ever. Um, you know, we could, we could be coming from a ton of different places. But we get an opportunity this morning to look into the Word of God and to spend some time focusing in on Him. Let's see what we got here. Look at that transition. Um, this right here is a Lotus. This is a race car, all right? And uh, I, want to, I wanted to read this quote. This is a kind of a common quote uh, in the auto industry. Uh, it was a very famous designer said this once. He said, simplify and then add lightness. And... Um, this came during a time in the automotive industry when people were building big old cars, like in the 50s and 60s, when, when it was like Cadillacs and getting the body as big as it could be and getting all the options and making the seats like sofas and putting big humongous V8s in the cars, all that business. That's, he, said, he said, we need, we need to simplify and add lightness, not add all this other stuff. And I was thinking about that in terms of our spiritual life, we spend a lot of time as we're growing and learning. We add all this stuff into our spiritual lives. I mean, there's, um, man, it's, you're adding, you know, the idea of baptism and repentance and forgiveness and Jesus and being patient and all these things that we're trying to like get a grasp on in our life. And sometimes that can feel like a huge load to carry, doesn't it? When, when you add all those things up and and as you mature, there comes a point in your, in, in your walk with God where you need to add lightness, where, where those things that you've been learning about and adding to your walk, you've got to distill those down and simplify and get back to the basic truths of God, who He is, and, and what He wants us to do in this life. And, and we have to add lightness. We have to, we have to do that. I, in Hebrews, it says, it says, today... When you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. 
I want to take some time this right now. I want us to take some time like is our habit to do is to take some time and pray. Um, I know, uh, like I said, we're coming from a million different places, but I want us to take a second and pray through this scripture today. When you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Let's take a second and pray. Father, creator of everything, Father, you, uh, you bring peace. Father, you bring love. You bring gentleness and compassion. Father, you are, um, you are a sweet father to us. And this morning, Father, we want to listen intently to what you have to say. Father, um, I'm not going to say everything perfectly. And um, I, I might even stumble and mess up in the things that I say. But Father... I pray that your, your words would ring out, that, Father, that uh, you would uh, move our hearts, Father, to respond to your word and to repentance. Father, we love you, and uh, we offer up praise this morning and thanksgiving for, for all the blessings, despite kids being sick, despite football teams losing, despite tests and all the other tons of things that we've got going on. You deserve praise because you're good. And uh, Father, we love you, and I pray for this time. In your son's name, amen. amen. Awesome, y'all. So uh, let's see where we're at. I, I put some slides together here. All right, so over the past couple months, we've been going through Hebrews, and I've been reading through it. Hopefully you guys have had some time to do that as well. Um, I think one of the big things that has stood out to me as we are reading through Hebrews, is all the warnings. And it wasn't until Keith preached about it and we talked about it a little bit that, wow, there's like five big warnings in Hebrews and that's like a thing. I just, I, I just thought, wow, he's really speaking to me and there's just all these warnings that I thought, I didn't realize it was a thing. So, um, but I was thinking about that and, and this morning what I wanna share with you is some of the things that I've been learning as we've been talking about uh, by faith, as we've been talking about making these decisions, as we've been going through Hebrews, these are just some of the things that have been challenging me and kind of where I'm at. And hopefully these things can encourage you as well. And so here's where I want to start. This is one of the, one of the warnings that, um, that, that really spoke to me in uh, Hebrews 2.1. It says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away. And, and that's a scary thing, the idea of drifting away. Uh, warnings uh, are here to let us know what's things that could happen. And, um, and, and that's a possibility. It's calling us here to be careful how we live, the things that we think about, the ways that we act, the way we respond to the Bible. Uh, but oftentimes we can, we can read this kind of stuff and get really down. And really kind of like, oh man, woe is me. I got to be careful. I'm a sinful dog. And I've, you know, and, and honestly, we have to understand where the scriptures, uh, the goal, what the goal of the scriptures are. Okay. The goal of the scriptures uh, were not to, not to beat us down, not to, not to make us only think about hell not to only make us think about sin. The, the scriptures were designed to bring us close to God. 
He, from the very beginning to the end, the scriptures are there to call us close, to bring us in. And just like I warn my daughter when she gets too close to the fireplace or too close to the stove that's hot, those warnings are meant to help and protect, just like a father protects us. And, and when we hear warnings, when we hear stories, when we hear these things, they're meant to cause a reaction. We're supposed to respond to the word. When we hear these warnings, these scriptures, we're not supposed to be down in the dumps about it. We're not supposed to, I don't know, feel like trash all the time, I guess. I, I don't know. I can hear these warnings. I can just go to this like melancholy place and this like pouty woe is me. And that's not what they're designed to do. This is the good news. Uh, those warnings are the good news. You know, uh, every story, poem, lesson, rebuke, warning, and promise is the good news. And these words are living and active. This isn't new stuff that I'm sharing with you. You guys know this. These words are living and active, and they're meant to push us closer to Him, to give us examples of what not to do and what to do and where to go and, and ways to live that will bring you close to Christ. I think one of the things that can be really tough, uh, especially as uh, you mature and as, as you've been a, around for a really long time, this actually this upcoming week, I'm having a, a spurf day, as we like to call it, a, with a capital F at the end, a spurf day. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to be 20 years old as a disciple. I've been around for quite a, quite a while, back in 99 when I was 14, got baptized. That mess is crazy. Um, and I've made a lot of dumb decisions and a lot of good decisions in that 20 years, and I'm glad I'm here. But what can be really tough is that at a certain time, we can just stop hearing what God's trying to tell us and get comfortable with just coming and hanging out. And, and, and what started as good soil uh, you know, thorns can grow up. Things can choke us out. You know, it says, um, it, it, it says uh, when, that uh, these are the, I'm sorry. It says uh, in the parable of the good soil, it says these are the ones having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring bear fruit. And, um, and there's often times that, that I've, I don't cling on to endurance. That's something I don't really pay attention to. Um, but the call for this morning, I want us, uh, Jesus once said, he who has ears, listen. We've got to be listening to the word, despite how long we've been around, despite uh, how fresh we are, how green we are behind the ears. Uh, we, need, we need to listen. Uh, and we all know this too, is that we can't just listen. Um, we can't merely hear the word, but we have to do what it says. And again, these aren't like new teachings, but these are things that we really need to be thoughtful about. As we like distill down our walk with God and we, we get back to the basics, uh, uh, these are the things that we have to be thoughtful about. It's not an idea of being, becoming shallow or simple-minded. It's this idea of simplifying it and having a deep faith on simple terms. And, 
And, um, you know, do we allow the scripture to move us anymore? Do, do we just run through the motions? Do we, do we just, uh, you know, do what we feel like doing? <laughs> um, that, those, are, those are good things to consider. You know, um, this all comes down to our choice. We've been talking about a decision, decisions that we have to make. And at the end of the day, how we respond to the word comes down to us. Um, you know, we can just see the scriptures as an intellectual exercise, as something that we do to kind of flex a mental muscle. Um, but these words are meant to cause a reaction. These words are meant to move us and to, to spur us on to good work. And, uh, you know, we, we often think about um, the, the scripture in Acts where it says they were cut to the heart uh, and, and asked, what shall we do? And, and I think that that's something we can often point to and say, man, I love that. Look at those guys that were cut to the heart. And it's very moving. And, um, and for us, we can, we can get to a point where we can be moved and cut to the heart. And then we ask, what shall we do? Like we've forgotten, you know, it's like we know what we should do. We all know that scripture. Uh, what's the next thing it says? It says, repent and be baptized, <laughs> you know, and, and this idea that 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 idea of repenting, what must I do? I've got to repent. I've got to move forward. And, and it's, it's not good enough just to be cut to the heart. We've actually got to, to do what it's calling us to do here. And really what I want to spend some time talking about is, is repentance. Um, I think this right here is such a difficult thing to talk about. Um, it's tough because, um, well, I don't know. It, it, it just has, a, when we talk about repentance, everybody starts sulking. Everyone starts like getting into this place. We're like, oh boy, here we go. You know, this is going to stink. I've got, you know, we all have junk. We've got to change. So everyone's like, oh, because we, we associate it with negative stuff when in fact, repentance is a sweet, sweet gift from God. You know, why is repentance so difficult? I think one of the reasons why repentance is difficult is because we're immature. You know, we, we think about Hebrews 6. We learned about that. We're still on milk when we should be moving on to, to solid food. It's, you know, our, our spiritual walk. We are, we are, we are, we've hit a roadblock and we've, we, we're stuck in a place where um, we, we should be further along. You know, sometimes it's tough because we're stubborn. Uh, you're like, no, my way's better. No, this is just where I'm going to put my heels in. And uh, this is where I'm going to, this is where I'm planting my flag. And then, so I want you to go back to the first one. If that's where you are, it's because you're immature in your walk with God. And, um, and what's cool is you don't have to stay in these places. This isn't like, I'm not saying all this stuff to be negative. It's just, this is the facts. This is what it is. You know, and these are things that I have to wrestle with my own life. Another reason is we don't really believe the scriptures, i.e. Jesus is not Lord. And, and again, that, 
these things, you don't have to be stuck in this place. This is just kind of what it is. Uh, it takes faith to believe in the scriptures, and sometimes our faith is really low. And, uh, and so we, we've got to think about that. Sometimes it's difficult because we've been hurt by people. Uh, I think a lot of us have been in an experience or experienced a time when we've wanted to repent and we've confessed sins and we've put ourselves out there and been vulnerable and someone blasted us, you know, or someone saw something instead of being gentle with us or or trying to correct us. Someone blew up our spot. And and from that point, we said, we're never going to do that again. You know, and that's 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 not a good place to be. We've all been hurt, but that's not a good excuse for us to stop repenting. I think another reason why it's difficult is I have to admit I was wrong. And that's really tough. Um, I I think we all want to be right. We all want to have the appearance of looking good. I think in this day and age, with Instagram and Facebook and all this stuff, even more so, we're trying to present the best image of ourselves. And, and keep our brand looking good and, and you know, and look at my, voca- uh, my vacations. I'm always smiling, you know, always happy things. And uh, like I didn't post any pictures of my daughter sick yesterday, you know, and uh, me crying because I didn't get to go on my trip, you know. <laughs> I got to keep my brand up as being tough, y'all. Um, you know, Satan hates repentance. Satan is working against us to, to change and to move forward. Uh, you know, there's a lot of these things I said, we, we do some things, but there are forces working against us. Sin, all of those things are designed to pull us away from Christ. And, and all repentance is designed to bring us closer to Christ. And then finally, y'all, changing is hard, okay? Changing is really tough. Uh, I want to tell you a story about Brent. My boy, my Brent, Brent is getting swole, all right? And changing's hard, y'all. Changing's real hard, but my boy's been in the gym like five days a week in there getting wide, getting getting lit. Um, He, I mean, working, see, working out with Brent is inspiring, y'all. It's like there we go to the we go to the gym and we get done with workouts and there are jokers rolling around on the floor like, oh, oh, after a workout. Brent doesn't do that. (laughs) Brent's Brent's getting swole and but it's hard. It takes time. He's been putting in the work. And with repentance, we've got to put in. We've also got to put in the work. It's true. You know, this makes me think about. When I think about repentance, I, I had the idea, most of you guys know, my wife, Sarah, was in a car wreck, a really bad one, and uh, she couldn't walk for months and months, had an uh, open tip fib fracture on her ankle, and she had to learn to walk again. And I picture, you know, when she was walking, it was hard. She was trying to figure it out and learning to put weight on her leg and learning the motions again and getting the muscles to work together. It was, and it's hard to watch her go through that process. It wasn't easy to watch. And it was tough. But all I could do was say, I know this is tough. Try again. Try again. You can do it. 
That's what God is telling us as we are walking through this and we're, we're wrestling with all these things, fighting with being immature, fighting with being stubborn. And all, all of this business, Jesus is saying, this is hard. I know it's hard. Try again. You can do it. I love you. Try again. I know this is tough. Get up. Keep walking towards me. And oftentimes we don't think of repentance as, as, as God calling, come closer. You can do this. God loves us a lot. He loves us a lot. We all, like, this is, this is a tough thing to preach because we know all the scriptures. I, could, I can say, tell me a scripture about how God loves you. And everyone in here could rattle off a scripture, at least one. The hard thing is, is letting yourself experience that love. Letting that stuff, your heart like steep in that love and have an understanding that, man, God loves me. And because he loves me, I will respond. I will, I will move. God loves us. This is a little scripture here in Romans 2. Do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? His love has got a purpose. He wants us to turn to him. He wants us to long for him and to keep making the decisions that lead us back to him. And these warnings and these rebukes and these teachings and lessons are all him trying to express, I love you, turn to me. I love you, come to me. We've got to allow ourselves to experience God's love. We've got to open ourselves up and be vulnerable in a way that, that might be uncomfortable to experience that love. We've got different things in our past. We all have different histories where we experience um, or we have feelings about parents and fathers and relationships that may be skewed. God is true and straight and probably and definitely the only purely true and straight and faithful thing that we can experience in this life. And we've got, to, we've got to be thoughtful and consider God loves us. This is the good news, y'all. So here's an in in interesting thing. Y'all know about shove? It's actually shove. And there's supposed to be like a squiggly thing on there. I couldn't get my keyboard to make it. That's Hebrew. Um, that's Hebrew, y'all. <laughs> that's shub. That's that's shub, y'all. And uh, I hate that this is recorded because I'm gonna sound like an idiot. But but that sh shuv is meant <laughs> back in the Old Testament in the Hebrew is the word for turn to turn. That word is mentioned in the Old Testament over a thousand times. This is what we're talking about 
when, when we're talking about repentance. We've heard the metanoia and this idea of changing your mind. That all stems from this idea of turning. The simple act of turning. Look at me, I did it. That's amazing. I just turned. I just I straight up shoved, y'all. Um, look, look at this example in Jonah 3. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. That idea of turning from evil ways, turning back to Christ, turning, that's what, when we think about repentance, that's what I want us to think about, this idea of turning, that I'm moving, that I'm adjusting, because we're walking down this path and and I know all of us, we want to be focusing on Jesus and we're walking towards him. But there's distractions and there's things that, that get in the way. And it's, it's an idea of when we're walking down the path, okay, I need to turn back in the direction of Christ. Sometimes it's a small thing. Maybe it's I just need to turn my head and focus on Christ. Maybe it's a full 180 and I got to walk the other direction. But the idea is that in this life, we're going to have to make turns and adjustments and be flexible and move and agile. When my dad talked about running the race, it's like shoring up your weak ankles. This idea we've got to be able to turn and juke and move because unexpected things happen all the time and we can get caught up and stuck. The point of this is to have our eyes fixed on Jesus, to turn our head away from ourselves, away from the things that are shiny and flashy in this world, and focus on Jesus. This starts from the inside and radiates out. This is, a, this is an inside thing first, and then once it's on the inside, it, it moves outward. And people should be able to see repentance. People can see when I turn. It starts with a heart change and a submission to Christ, but people should see repentance. If you say, I've repented, and nothing on the exterior here has changed, you haven't repented. But this is a group thing, too. This isn't an individual thing. We are supposed to be a family, a family that is all turning together to focus in on Christ. Now, repentance is a sweet thing. The Bible says that repentance brings no regrets. It says in 2 Corinthians 7, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leads no regret. That's crazy. Do you guys realize that? That he's saying you can blow it, and if you turn back to Christ, you can, you can still live and have no regrets. That's a crazy idea. That's a crazy thought. Have we considered that idea of being renewed, being changed, being moved into the likeness of Christ? And again, that scripture goes on to say a lot about how our attitude will change, how there's an eagerness and um, an urgency to see things righted, to have justice done. But that is a sweet gift right there. I don't know about y'all, but I've got regrets from things I've done in the past. 
Repentance, it removes regret. Some more sweet things about repentance. It brings refreshing. It says, repent then and turn to God. There's that word again. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshings may come from the Lord. That's the best thing I could find ref- picture for refreshing. Yeah, as a drink. There was one, and this guy was pouring water on his house. I was like, ah, we're not going with that. We're going to go with the, with the strawberry water. But, um, but guys, I don't know. Like, this life is stinking hard. It's difficult. And, and to navigate raising your kids, to navigate relationships in the church, let alone in the world, let alone in your extended family with in-laws and cousins, with parents getting sick and all like, this life is tough. God says, turn to me and I'll bring times of refreshing. This is a gift. He's saying repentance, it brings you closer to me and I'm good and I love you. And that load that feels so heavy, I'll take that off you. Repentance is a sweet gift. Repentance brings healing. James 5, confess your sins and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Guys, I don't know about you, But there's things that I need to be healed of. Our sin is ailing us. Our pride is ailing us. We are not living in a way where we are we are at optimal strength. You know, we when you get injured in a sport or something like that and seeing guys playing football and they pull a hamstring or something, they don't run like they normally run. And these are like the tip top athletes. That's what our sin does to us, is it ails us. It cripples us from being who we are designed to be. Repentance can heal those wounds. It can heal relationships. This goes back to, we can't do this on our own. This is is an us thing. This isn't a me on an island thing. This is an us thing. We need to repent. We need to talk to one another. We need to be vulnerable. We need to repent of our sins. Here's the cool thing, y'all. We need to celebrate repentance. This is a great scripture here that I don't think we consider enough. Luke 15, 7, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. Amen. We don't talk about repentance in those terms very often. <clears throat> Oftentimes we get caught up in, in the facade of looking good, in the facade of like, We spend more effort in in trying to look like we have no sin rather than boasting in our weakness and fighting for repentance. 
This is what God says, Jesus said was important. He's willing to go after the lost sheep. He's willing to search for the lost coin. He said there's way more rejoicing going on for that person who makes a change in their life than the people who don't need it. And here's the funny thing about that is we all need it. Who, who of you is in that 99 righteous persons that don't need to repent? It's all of us. We're all in the same boat here. I think one of the things we've got to do is, is to take pride in our friends and our brothers and sisters who are fighting to repent. Amen. We should take pride in that. God does. Jesus takes pride in that. Instead of trying to, to look righteous, we need to spend a lot more time being righteous and fight for that. Man. I think one of the things we need to be do, doing is waging war on sin in our households. As a family, when we talk about raising our kids and we talk about like in our family units, we need to be waging war on sin. And I'm not talking about blasting one another. I'm talking about we need in our homes, we need to be fighting for righteousness. We need, parents, we need to be setting an example of repentance in our homes. I'm afraid our kids might see us and say, they don't, they don't, they don't do the stuff that we talk about on Sunday. I'm afraid that might be us. I don't want it to be us. It doesn't have to be us. I want to share this with you. One of the th reasons I got baptized when I was 14 I didn't know anything about the world, about life. I was very ignorant in a lot of ways. One thing I wasn't ignorant of, though, is one of the, and, and one of the things that, that, that ways that I saw that God was real is in my home, I saw my parents repenting. And oftentimes, as parents, I know we can be worried that there's not enough functions there's not enough like, gather, like teen gatherings or middle school gatherings or whatever it is. And the, the thing that was most powerful to me is seeing my parents change. To see them to go like, I, and they're here, <laughs> sitting right here. And that, that, this might be awkward, I don't know. But, <laughs> but there were times when I remember them like shouting and yelling and all those things. And then I remember that stopping. And you're like, that's God. Because all my friends at school, their parents did all the same things. They yelled and they did all that stuff. But, but my parents stopped. I saw them fighting for relationships and fighting for different things like that. And I saw them change. And, and that... That's where I saw God because I wasn't seeing that in my friends' lives. I wasn't seeing that in, in the high schooler kids around me and in their families. We need to be waging war at home for repentance, for righteousness. In the campus ministry, y'all, in y'all's houses, are you waging war in sin? Are you letting stuff slide that no, doesn't need to slide? 
Those are things where we need to band together as families and as brothers and sisters in Christ that sin's not okay. We're not going to do it. But we're going to deal with it the way God dealt with it. We're going to deal with it gently and with wisdom and a whole lot of prayer. Let's take time to celebrate the victories that we have. It's so important. We had, I just want to share one last thing about this. We had a really cool time, um, our last family group time. Um, we had, this is, repentance and stuff has been on my heart for a while. And so I did a, we did a little talk on it. And so I, I gave them a little challenge to go home and talk with their spouses and as a family, figure out, okay, these are the things we want to work on and repent of. And then if you want to, the, next, the following week, we'll come together and we'll share those things if you'd like to, if you feel comfortable to. And, and we, can, we can encourage one another with, uh, with our repentance. And, um, man, I got to tell you, I was so proud of Carl and Joanne. Uh, they, um, they were like, you know what? Um, few weeks back you talked about fasting and some of that stuff and our heart wasn't really in it and we knew our heart needed to be in it we wanted to change and so when the first of the month fast came around they said as a family we're going to do this thing and we're going to make it the best we know how and they did and they were sharing their experience of walking through that learning process as a family and doing that and that was a sweet victory that deserves some praise y'all that's a cool thing. And, and I know that each of us can have experiences like that and are having experiences like that. Talk about it. Share that with people because it's encouraging. I'm fighting through my own stuff and I need to hear about the victories you're having. Let's share those things. Let's not be critical with one another. Man, we have got, we have got to fight for it. But let me, let me tell, you, tell you some cool stuff here. We're designed for it. What we're talking about now is not out of your wheelhouse. What we're talking about is not something that uh, you're not capable of doing. This is what you were designed to do. Now, guys, I'm a car guy. Okay? This right here is a NASCAR. And uh, it appears like the 18 car is sponsored by My Little Pony. But, um, but uh, these cars are really neat. They're designed for a specific task, okay? A lot of them, it's like 500 laps or something like that. They're designed to go over 200 miles an hour, and they're designed to turn left, okay? Try, try to make this thing do a right-hand turn. It's not going to want to do it, okay? They're designed to go left. And uh, that's the dumb thing, too, about uh, NASCAR is uh, you get all those people are like, yeah, they turn left again. <laughs> um, but, but you take a NASCAR off that NASCAR track, and it's, it's pretty useless, okay? But what it's designed to do, it does it really, really well. Here's another thing. I don't know if you guys like uh, Overland. Like, have you guys ever heard about this? This junk is so awesome, okay? Those people who like RVs and that kind of stuff, imagine one that's designed to go anywhere, all right? Over, like, look at the wheels and the suspension on that thing. 
And when you go inside that, it's luxurious, okay? I didn't do any pictures, but it's, look at the snorkel on that. That thing can go underwater. That thing is, it's built like a tank, all right? That thing can go anywhere. But you put that thing, if you try and go grocery shopping in that thing, <laughs> it wasn't meant for that, okay? <laughs> this thing is running on solar power and diesel, okay? You, you'll be getting like two miles to the gallon in that beast. Um, those things were designed to that. Guys, we were designed to be faithful. We were designed for repentance. We were designed to turn to Christ, to be agile, to be flexible, to move. I want to share some scriptures with you here. You were created. You created me. Um, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Colossians 1.16, everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. We were designed for his purpose. We were designed to bring him pleasure. Why would he have designed us not to turn to him? We were designed for this. Ephesians 2.10 we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we could walk in them. We were designed to be obedient. We were designed to walk on his path. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. He didn't give us a spirit of, like, of fear, like these things, we're supposed to be afraid of hell and Satan, all those things. But, but more so, we were designed to, to be afraid of, like fear God. But the Holy Spirit brings power. Those things, I'm not talking about fear and the, like this cowering, shaking, like nervous fear. I'm talking about we have the power to move through these things that we're wrestling with. We have the power to love those who are hard to love, to mend relationships. And that idea of self-discipline, that's what a lot of this comes back to is the idea we have the power to control ourselves, our thoughts. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's Christ living through us. We crucified that old self when we repented, and it's Christ living through us. We have the power to do this. Psalms 139, 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Guys, we are made to do these things. We are made to repent. You can do it. I want to turn to Luke 7, if you'll turn with me. I want to close out here with a story. And here in a second, we're going to take communion.
In verse 36, it says, Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. It's talking about Jesus. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of fragrant oil and stood behind him at his feet, weeping. And he and began to wash his feet with tears. She wiped his feet with the hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them with a fragrant oil. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman who is, uh, this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he said, say it. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 50 denarii and another owed 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he said, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loves so much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? This woman here, we can, we can make guesses on what her sins were. But she responded to God. She responded to Jesus' words. And she, she expressed her repentance by turning to Christ, falling at his feet. Ah, what a good example. 